1: How you doing? Welcome to the show. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We're up and running along with Jesse Stiers. I'm Sean Stiers. How are you tonight? Jesse Stiers.
2: I'm doing well. You know, it's Monday. Hardest day of the work week, in my opinion. Uh, Didn't have to do a whole (laughs) bunch of mentally thought-provoking things. So that was a a plus side. It's still very cold and it's been kind of rainy and gloomy today over in my neck of the woods. So um, not really inducive to, to do much besides kind of stay inside.
1: Yeah, we had a, a pretty gloomy day most of the day here, and the sun is actually out right now. I don't know how long it's supposed to last, but you might be able to kind of see some of the rays cutting across my face here uh, from the window on the side of my house. But uh, glad to have everybody, whoever's here tonight with us. We've got we've got plenty to talk about. Brian Mason's leaving. Marty Biagi. Appears to be coming Chansey Stuckey and uh, Chris O'Leary, both staying put at Notre Dame. We're going to get to all of that today. We'll also have some thoughts on Michael Mayer's NFL Combine, the Notre Dame women's basketball team's ACC tournament. We'll do all that a little bit later in the show. I did want to mention before we kind of really get going today, we're going to have a little bit different uh, show schedule this week for IB Nation Sports Talk because We're finally going to get to talk to Notre Dame's offensive newcomers Wednesday. It's going to be Wednesday night. I think it starts at like 545, which is obviously 15 minutes before this show usually starts for the live version of the show. So what we're going to do, um, well, you know, one, Vince is usually here on Mondays. But because of the snow last Friday, the area high schools, their sectional basketball schedules or rearranged so Vince is out of course the uh the Dean of students at Penn High School he is out at Penn's sectional championship game tonight so hence Jesse is with me Vince is going to be here tomorrow and we're going to do the mailbag show tomorrow because we are not going to have a show Wednesday uh so that I can go over to Notre Dame and take part in those offensive interviews wednesday night you know including sam hartman he is scheduled to be there so no show wednesday the mailbag is going to be tomorrow and then thursday vince and i are going to have some thoughts on what we hear from the offensive players we'll hopefully have some audio that will be able to bring you thoughts from guys like sam hartman and others on wednesday's show and then of course friday we'll still have rapid fire at five o'clock so bottom line mailbag tomorrow no show wednesday Keep all that in mind as we uh as we go through the rest of the week. You got all that, Jesse? Were you taking notes?
2: <laughs> I was taking notes. I was already a part of the the back end of all this, the text messages, the group chat, <laughs> right, the gifts. That's right. All I know is I am where I am supposed to be on Monday at 6 p.m.
1: Yes. Now you are actually coming back to South Bend this weekend, so you will not be on the Friday rapid fire show, right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. I'll be leaving okay. Cleveland like right after work um Friday, so uh,
1: I will be traveling. All right. Sounds good. So that's what's going on rest of the week. By the way, here's a question for you. What is, you know, I've heard that the ideal length they've they've done, you know, like some some science on this, some background on this. They've you know, like the what is the ideal length of a podcast? that you typically listen to? Because I've heard 30 minutes or less is actually like, that's what they recommend a lot of people keep it to. We don't stick to that by any means <laughs> with the Irish Breakdown
2: channel. So what's what's your thought? I mean, so I have a variety like? of different, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, to be honest with you, but the ones I do listen to, um, they're, they have different purposes and they're kind of different genres. Like I listen to a comedy podcast that, they have an episode it's once, or, once or twice a week and they go like an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. I have a, I have a, a podcast I listen to and Naomi a lot. Um, and it's called like CBS news or world news or something. It's, it's some sort of podcast that gives you like a brief rundown, 25 minutes, 20 minutes of like the most important things that are going on within, you know, the country that day essentially. So that's, but I mean, that's more informative and to the point. So that's part of it. And right. then, I listen to other. I, I don't really listen to a lot of sports podcasts, to be honest with you. So, I think the only things I'll listen to are occasionally are like Dan Patrick's Show in the morning or Rich Eisen Show in the morning, and they go on for hours. So, you know, I, I think that for for stuff like this, sports, um, like a daily type of situation, I would say an hour is right around the perfect length. Um, and then for stuff like I was talking about, kind of like your daily informative kind of news stuff, less in depth is. Twenty to thirty minutes.
1: Yeah, apparently some people think that more than thirty minutes is too long, which I think it's you know is crazy. And that you know again, like if you've listened to this channel, you know, Salty says IB four hours. You know, decaf, Joe Rogan three hours. I don't know, um, D Rock Irish one to two hours, and I'm kind of in that range as well. Uh, to me, thirty minutes is too short because I typically I'm either listening when I'm working out. You know, to whatever extent, or if I'm driving somewhere, I, I would I would prefer to put in a podcast when I'm driving than music. It kind of keeps me, you know, a little bit calmer when I'm driving than listening to music. And I don't get the whole 30 minutes thing because my field, you know, it's like, oh, you go past 30 minutes, it's too long. Who wants to listen to something longer than that? If you've got something that is more than 30 minutes, like it's an hour to an hour and a half or even Two hours, you you know, you shut off your car or you, you know, take out your earbuds or whatever, it automatically pauses. You can always come right back to it. So, that's why I don't get the more than 30 minutes thing. I would rather have something at least an hour so that I'm not always, you know, kind of searching for something. So...
2: Yeah, and I like like stuff, too. I I, I like the podcast for when I drive because it it seems to make the drive go by faster. And with, like, music, to me, I kind of get caught up that, like, I know songs are three to four minutes. And so then it's like I need, like, you know, 20 songs in order to get to an hour. But it's just a podcast. It just kind of keeps going. Oh, and that crime podcast that I sent you a while ago, those were like 45 minute episodes, but there was like a bunch eh, of those. So
1: Closer to 30 minutes actually. But you know, again, like if you're listening to a series, one rolls right into the next, but Anthony said the rapid fire segments are 30 minutes or more by themselves. That's true. And you should always <laughs> listen to those.
2: <laughs> those are the quick hitter, easy That's ones. Right. That's right. That's right.
1: All right. I was just curious to me. It's like, start off with an hour and, and kind of go, from there, um, D Rock says beyond two hours, it it becomes a b <laughs> BS session, basically. From the chat, come uh, that's you know okay. So we've got the schedule for the rest of the week now. The topic of the day is more staff changes for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. We've you know we thought that maybe it was uh, it was done, and then. Friday hits. Was it Friday or Saturday? Kind of all hell breaks loose. I think the initial report came out Friday. By Saturday, we found out was what was happening. Brian Mason heading to Indianapolis. He's he's going to the NFL and he's going to be the uh, special teams coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. He's a Zionsville native, uh, which is you know an Indianapolis suburb. It's a little bit uh, what northwest of uh, of indy his wife is from down around the indianapolis area as well so going home basically for an nfl job um your reaction jess when you heard this what did you think when when you heard that that brian mason was leaving after one year to head off to the indianapolis colts
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
2: Yeah, so like when I first saw it, I was initially very surprised and shocked because I just saw, you know, Brian Mason is going to leave Notre Dame, and that was really it um outside of that. Uh and so I, I was a bit confused too because of, you know, he had success. And so I thought naturally that like he would use his success as you know to kind of maybe take a lead to some sort of coordinator position next, or you know, that's that's like that's kind of how a lot of coaches climb the coaching ladder is you, you kind of start off at something like special teams and then you do well and kind of, you know, prove yourself and you move up the ranks. Um, And, but then when I saw what he's leaving to the Colts um, and that he was from Zionsville, it it just made sense. And it's so, you know, it's just, I think it's always been a dream of his to coach in the NFL. It's very close to his family, his wife's family, stuff like that. Um, And anytime you can take, you know, your scheme from college to the NFL, I think it's a great opportunity. So Uh, Very excited for him. And it just makes sense. Like I said, at first I was a bit confused, uh, but it definitely makes sense. So there's really no hard feelings on my end. But of course, it sucks because we saw such a rejuiced and rejuvenated Notre Dame special teams unit, like a unit that it made you excited to watch special teams. It made you excited they were going to make a game changing play. And that's honestly what they did kind of throughout the season is they gave Notre Dame, you know, opportunities to score points on shorter fields. Um, they're able to swing momentums in key situations. So um it, it it hurts losing that kind of game impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. before we go any further, my my daily reminder smash the like button, subscribe rate review, and all that great stuff, because it does help out, of course, the Irish breakdown channel. But I I guess I thought that I, I wouldn't have thought when they hired Brian Mason that he would be one and done at Notre Dame, you know, yeah, regardless. Exactly. Of, Regardless of the success that he had, but at the same time, it's an NFL job. And on top of the fact that it's an NFL job, he and his wife both get to go home and, you know, family thing. They've got family down there, obviously, because of the fact that they're there. So it's really he was already pretty close to home, but it's a great situation. And like being in Cincinnati, where he was before, he was closer to Indianapolis than he is right now here in south bend by the time you know like just driving down highway 31 and all that kind of stuff so it's it's a very unique opportunity for him um but again it's like you 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 don't really think that that a guy is is going to come in and bada bing bada boom kind of check out that quickly um but he did such a great job at Notre Dame, you know, and so that's that's why now it becomes a WTF situation because <laughs> you know, like special teams were just an afterthought under Brian Kelly at at Notre Dame. That's that's just the way it was, and it showed with how they looked, you know. Now they were terrible into in, in twenty sixteen the, the the special teams were, and the goal coming out of that. That year was basically just to have special teams be a break-even situation instead of a liability. And, you know, that's what they were for five years under Brian Pullian. They were were solid, but never spectacular under Brian Pullian. Never had any, you know blocks never had any returns for touchdowns yeah and that was unfortunately just
2: overall philosophy of you know they didn't really want to try to make the wild plays they just wanted to make sure that they didn't make or give up the wild plays
1: yeah exactly exactly you know like I said don't let it be a liability don't give up the big plays the other way the returns for touchdowns and stuff like that don't you know (laughs) don't fumble the ball on on your returns don't you know don't have onside kicks returned against you right you know don't don't have a little you know a little squib kick that nobody falls on that you're just standing there and looking at you know boneheaded plays type stuff you know the, the kind of stuff again that really blew up in 2016 you didn't see that kind of stuff afterwards so to an extent that was a success but you know guess what Kelly goes to LSU for a year. He takes Brian Pullian with him after a year. You know, all of a sudden, it's a much bigger priority, obviously, as we found out last week as Brian Polian gets demoted. And they're going to, you know, hire a new special teams coordinator down there. And, you know, Mason, he took Notre Dame special teams from average to elite. You know, not just above average to flat-out elite in one season. You know, so, you know, the block kicks are going to be, what people remember the most, you know, because he set a record with the seven, you know, and they led the nation shared the national lead with seven block kicks this past season. And I heard someone the other day, trying to kind of downplay that saying, well, you put someone like Isaiah Foskey out there, of course you're going to block some kicks. You know, it it doesn't make you a special teams. Think of all
2: those players that Notre Dame had as starters that end up getting drafted. You just got to play your starters on special teams and make it an emphasis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, Pullian had some good, you know, like Chase Claypool was one of the guys that, you know, he was always on special teams. That didn't necessarily make the special teams great. They had they did have some other guys out there, you know, but like Brian Kelly stood up there and said, nobody's blocking kicks anymore. Well, it wasn't just Isaiah Foskey, you know, it's like like bigger than than just block kicks. Notre Dame's they they ranked sixth in special teams efficiency, according to the FEI efficiency ranking so it it wasn't just that you know like the hidden aspect of special teams is field position you know where you start on average where your opponent starts on average they were in the top 10 for the first time since they started doing this metric 15 years ago so there were so many little things that brian made you know it's like it's one thing not to block kicks i guess it's one thing not to return kicks or punt you know or fair catch all the time on punt returns but my point is. Like there are a lot of little things that led to Brian Mason's units being not just above average, not just good, but an elite special teams across the board last season.
2: Yeah, it just felt like that Brian Mason was a guy who was, you know, very innovative on on the special team aspect. He didn't necessarily do the same thing every week. And that's important in special teams because a lot of special teams, I mean, I mean, just like anything in football, it goes off what's on your tape. Well you know, special teams is not out there as as frequent as your offense or defense. So naturally there's less tape on your special teams. And then when you're kind of mixing up your scheme every week, depending on what the opponent is giving you, it's hard to figure out, you know, as the opposing team, what someone like Brian Mason is going to do. And I think that is what really propelled his success is his ability to kind of adapt every week or his ability to kind of think creative every week and come up with something that was going to throw you know the opposing special teams off.
1: Yes. That's right. And that you like this was a guy who was sitting there, you know, it's it's you you can talk about well you only get you know 15 10 15 minutes per practice or whatever, you know, to practice special teams, but what about the rest of the day? You know, like what about the day leading up to the time that they get to practice? What is the special teams coordinator Doing it's obvious Brian Mason was spending a lot of time in the film room, you know, like like right. looking for tendencies on the other side because that's part of what leads to to the block punts and the block kicks and you know it's like you spot something that you think you can take advantage of in protections that this team is 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 running out there and Brian Mason obviously had a, a very good eye for spotting that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think that was that had to be his kind of strongest overall um tool as a coach.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so how big a blow do you think this is? You know, again, like people, you know, like Holtz <laughs> Holtz my beer says Notre Dame special teams unit will be just fine. Mason did an excellent job, but I had a feeling he would leave for the NFL. Biagi will do the job. So like how how easy do you think this is going to be to replace? Because again, it's 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 a situation where it's like special teams coordinator. It's 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 not an intangible, but to a lot of people, it kind of seems like an intangible. I think. What do you think? How how you know again? Like how big a blow do you think this is?
2: No, honestly, I think that this is in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty. It's not like a, a how do I? It's not like as impactful as like if you had the best offensive coordinator in the game and, and they were leaving, right? Or like the best defensive coordinator. It's not to that scale, but you know, losing someone that is that was, that had so so much success after Notre Dame was not very good to kind of below average in a lot of special teams categories leading up to this season. Um, I, I do think it is a, a pretty big blow because I, I think that a lot of or not a lot of some of these games this season. We're affected by, you know, Notre Dame's ability on special teams to make big plays. And you can't necessarily say, you know, how much that swings a game, but it definitely helps. And it helps take pressure off some of your other units uh, when your special teams can make plays like that. And I don't just think it's a, a, you know, a plug and chug type situation or else anyone could be a special teams coach and everyone would be successful at special teams. I think it takes a certain kind of driven characteristic um, and, and a lot of what we were talking about with Mason is just constantly looking for weaknesses um, and and wanting to be good and taking it seriously and taking pride in what he wanted to do. And it's hard to fill all of those things. So to me, it's a decent blow. Like it, it's a pretty good, you know, hook hook to the chin. And you might have, you know, stumbled over and, and fallen down to the mat a little bit. Like it's, it's a blow in my eyes.
1: I agree, you know, because again, we're not just talking about Someone who did a pretty good job with special teams. He made them elite, and all the block punts. You know, again, that is that is what stands out. But there were so many other little things. With you know, between you know the 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 kickoff return, the kickoff coverage, the you know, the, and the punt units as well. There were so many different little things, and that that turned that translated into you know the they were number five in the nation with an opponent field you know starting position. Around the 26 yard line, they led the nation with an average starting field position for the offense at their own 33 and a half yard line. You know, so it's like little things that you kind of take for granted that you don't think about. That it's like, again, the starting field position doesn't stand out like like block punts and block kicks and all that kind of stuff, but it is a huge part of the game that can either help you or hinder you based on where you are and you look at the fact that you know in this in this metric they ranked in the top 10 for the first time this year since they created that metric 15 years ago and like you you look at at brian mason who was just like a maniac about this stuff you know like he knew every little detail about this and he could he could spit it out and recite it to you it in in just how good they were let me ask you this you know because you've been on some football teams obviously and How much do you think, like as we look toward Notre Dame and we're going to talk about Marty Biagi and you know some of his pros and cons and stuff like that here in a minute. But how much do you think that just the head coach prioritizing special teams, you know, like Mason is still what I would consider a special case. You know, like Marcus Freeman knew that he was the guy to hire last year and he hired the right guy and brought him in. But how much do you just think? Like when you look at the way Brian Kelly looked at special teams versus how Marcus Freeman looks at special teams and prioritizes special teams, how much difference do you think that makes right off the top? You know, regardless of who you bring in next.
2: No, I think that makes a huge difference, and I think that that is what would make me feel better about the situation. Is you have a head coach that is obviously going to emphasize the importance of special teams because you know Brian Mason obviously didn't do all of his things completely alone. Right. And so you have to have the kind of the backing, the resources and everything that your head coach provides you. Um, and I think that Marcus Freeman naturally having that and be having, you know, proof or record of what Brian Mason did and kind of handing off to, to the next guy and say, Hey, like, this is, you know, we take, this is how important we take special teams. You need to, you know, do the same effort, put in the same effort, have take the same pride because that's what the standard here is at Notre Dame, and I exactly. think that, that, the that standard is standard now. now you right, and I up. think that's what Marcus Freeman is so great at as a head coach already is. You know, using the vocabulary of standard, and this is how we're going to do things, and this, they're, you know, these things even if, you know, not, I wouldn't use the word interchangeable, but if one man goes down or a coach goes down, this is the standard that I've created. And that, you know, it's kind of a, almost a plug the next guy in or next man up type situation. And so, yeah, it might, it might suck in the transition or it might not, you know, exactly get back to the level that it was immediately, but I have faith that Marcus Freeman will get, you know, get it to that, to that spot again, even if someone new has to come in.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what happens when you bring in someone who's elite. Now, I would have liked to see a little, you know, like a kind of a track record for Brian Mason. It would have been – I would have been really cu- – well, you know, one, we'll get to see what those special teams like are like in Indianapolis when he goes down there. But, you know, like if he had stayed, how long could he maintain kind of that top 15 ranking for the special teams? Was it going to be a year-in, year-out thing, or – you know, did some things just go right maybe for him this year that that helped create that? Like, how would teams potentially adjust to him as as he went along? And those, you know, like was he showing tendencies? Those kind of things. So that that I would have been curious to see that. We're not going to get to see it now. And in the meantime, Marcus Freeman looks. You know, he's got his guy in his sights, Marty Biagi. He uh, is the uh, he was a special teams analyst, of course, at Notre Dame in twenty sixteen. He was at Ole Miss this past season, Purdue before that, North Texas before that. He's also been a special teams coordinator at Southern University, going back to 2012 to 2014. So, just when you when you look at 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 Biagi and what he's got, what do you what do you think of him as the uh, potential next special teams coordinator for the Irish?
2: Yeah, so you start to look kind of you know at his track record. He started off as a special teams coordinator at the FCS level, uh, you know, and then and the kind of his, his big kind of first break at, at the division one level power five was, you know, Notre Dame as a special teams analyst. He goes to North Texas for three seasons as the special teams coordinator and had a lot of success there. You know, you start looking at some of his numbers over at North Texas and, and he had good numbers. Right. And so I know that that is, that's, that doesn't necessarily translate to the power five, and that kind of leads me into my next point of you know at Purdue he was a special teams coordinator for two seasons um and Ole Miss so he got to that power five level but didn't quite have the success as he did kind of at North Texas and so you you know you start to question is that because of scheme is that because of you know the 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 coaches emphasis on special teams down there that you know the overall kind of philosophy that kind of stuff um and, and then you start looking into you know more of his background and you know what he's good at. Uh, on, you know, the field goal side of things, I think that that is where Notre Dame is going to see, <clears throat> excuse me, their biggest kind of jump because of his background as a field goal kicker um, and, and looking at kind of the the, the field goal kicking efficiency that the, the teams have had, you know, as he's been there and kind of seeing Notre Dame struggles recently, you know, with some of the kicking. So I think you'll see a lot of improvement in field goal kicking. Um <clears throat> in term of, terms of blocking kicks, you know, kick returns, stuff like that. I still think that, you know, he has a solid background, but again, it's just, I it's hard because you, he hasn't had a whole, like above average high end success at the power five level. And so that's what I'm most kind of questioning right now.
1: And that's, it It, it makes you want, you know, is it like, just because, okay, you had a pretty good coach, he goes to North Texas because of the level of competition you're playing Maybe he had more success there. But then as you climb the ladder to power five jobs like Purdue and Ole Miss, and they're not quite as uh, successful, because I'll just kind of go through, you know, because I saw someone asking about it. Like the best special teams units, as you mentioned, were at North Texas. They were in the top 20 in the FBS and block kicks all three seasons down there. And it's like, oh, okay. You look, you, you know, like you hear that. And then based on what we just saw from Brian Mason, so it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not going to you know, drop off too far. Maybe they're able to keep that up. They tied for 11th in the nation um, in 2017. They were 19th in 2018 and 6th in 2019. Those were all at North Texas. That, that was one of his more successful departments. And then you mentioned the kicking as well, because he was a punter when he was in college at Marshall. And then going back to when he was in high school he was a kicker as well as a punter in high school so he he has that background which not a lot of special teams guys have and like the fact that his kickers have converted nearly 84% of their field goals in his career that's a really good sign because Notre Dame kickers have done that just once since uh you know 80% since 2010 so starting with the kicking perspective i think it's going to be really good to have someone with a kicking background, because again, it's like most of these kickers really only get that kind of specialization in the summertime when they're working with their own personal guys. Now they're going to have a guy with an actual kicking background. So I think for starters, that's good. Like you mentioned, right?
2: Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, to me, it, <laughs> it's it's a lot harder to teach the tech, the techniques or the, you know, the, the technical side of punting and field goal kicking than it is to kind of scheme punt blocks and that sort of thing, at least in my Mm -hmm. eyes, right? Like I would be more happy with a guy who knows a lot about the mechanics of kicking rather than the mechanics of blocking punts, because I think studying tape and being dedicated and committed can bridge that gap a lot easier. But when it comes to, you know, having someone, who was a kicker themselves understands the kicking like mechanics and kind of seeing, you know, the struggles recently of, you know, Notre Dame punters and kickers, I would be very enthused about those things.
1: So then he leaves North Texas. He goes to Purdue for three seasons or for two seasons. and he's at Ole Miss for a season after that. And it's a little bit more up and down since then, like kickoff returns. His kickoff return units at Ole Miss this past season ranked 94th in the nation at Purdue. His two teams ranked 129th and 64th in kickoff returns, North Texas. They were 27th, 22nd, 25th. So again, much better when he was at North Texas than the the two power five jobs, kickoff coverage, never, you know, had a, a kickoff coverage unit ranked better than number 45. Ole Miss, they ranked 104th. Purdue 122nd. North Texas in 2019 they were 109th. um had nine kickoffs returned for touchdowns in nine seasons as a special teams coordinator against them. That is a bit of a red flag because you know again it's like even even you know if if Notre Dame's units under Brian Polian were not spectacular we weren't seeing those kind of things happening
2: yeah and and a big thing that i think you brought up and I, what i was looking at is like we were talking about the fei index and i had to look that up the fremu efficiency index which is a college football rating system based on opponent adjusted possession efficiency essentially a scoring a, a scoring advantage a team would be expected to have on a neutral field against the average opponent. It's just basically this guy came up with a way to statistically kind of formulate the whole special teams unit as a whole and the advantage that they give. And so that's what the FEI index does. This past season, Mason like you talked about finished I believe 5th or no, 6th. Uh Old Miss on the other hand finished 99th. So it's like right. Again, those that's that's it's kind of concerning to me. And so it, to me, it, you have to know, you know, Again, is it is it coach driven philosophy? Like, I don't know how important Lane Kiffin takes his special teams. I don't is it know the level of
1: competition you're playing against. Right, versus the level what of what you've got on your roster. It,
2: yeah. it is, are you using, you know, full your full-on starters? Or are you using kind of maybe your second string guys? I don't know. So that's again the the I know Notre Dame is gonna have the emphasis on special teams and he's gonna have the resources, but you know, going from six to ninety-nine, that's that's a big difference. So huge. <laughs> I, if, if, but again, this is if Marcus Freeman believes in him and Marcus Freeman believes in the standard that's, you know, being built at Notre Dame, that's really all we can kind of go off of at this point, because, you know, again, six versus 99, that's a big gap. So hopefully we can see some things, um, that, that, that'll make us feel better about that. And I, again, I think the, the kicking side of it is something that has me feeling a little bit better. And. And not thinking about that <laughs> six yeah. to ninety-nine ranking. Yeah, I think the
1: kicking side, that is something that can become a lot more, you know, efficient than than where they've been. The fact that you've got someone who is so proficient with the kickers, you know, but like you look at the special teams efficiency, again, 99th at home miss. You know, the North Texas units were all in in the top fifty-five. They were fifty-third, thirty-third, and eighteenth. But like you look at Notre Dame special teams, number six. Uh, you know this past season, uh, in in those efficiency rankings that you were talking about, they did that just once in the previous fifteen years. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be real. You know, but again, like we don't know at Purdue and Ole Miss how they prioritize starters being on special teams. We know that at at Notre Dame we've seen we, we saw a lot more starters on special teams so like how much is that going to impact it and again it's a priority for the head coach so how do you know we like we don't know what what Jeff Braum and Lane Kiffin how much they were prioritizing that kind of stuff and and how much that could have impacted what Biagi was or wasn't doing there
2: yeah and i you know i just wonder <laughs> you don't know like what what was Marcus Freeman's criteria or like if there was criteria, like how, obviously he was, he's been at Notre Dame. I don't think that that has much to do with it. He was at Purdue. You know, I think that's kind of the bigger one that, that, you know, that might have kind of grown a connection with Marcus Freeman. But again, there had to be some sort of criteria that Marcus Freeman had and he knows what he had at special teams. And I don't think he wants to take a step back in special teams by any means. So yeah. We'll just have to see. I think, and I, 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 I'm with Marcus Freeman, kind of leading the charge and kind of giving, you know, the insider the direction that he wants special teams to go. That's what I'm more overall concerned with, and I think everyone should be happier with. Is there's just a head coach that has a way stronger if emphasis on special teams, so I think naturally that's going to help and take care of a lot of things.
1: I think that's what you have to lean into because, again, you know, when he hired Brian Mason just a little bit more than a year ago. Brian Mason was a good special teams coordinator at Cincinnati, but he was not necessarily an elite special teams coordinator. He became elite with what he did at Notre Dame this season. So, you know, uh, you now I don't think he had kind of the valleys <laughs> that, that we're talking about with Biagi. But again, I think that, that if the head coach is emphasizing it, he's willing to commit starters to it which he's already shown that he is willing to do. I think that that is a good sign, and that in itself should help out. All the other stuff are things that that Marty Biagi is going to have to figure out. You know, just you know, again, like in terms of his film study tendencies, all those different things, and and how all that is going to come in to play. What
0: are
1: what are some other things maybe that you think are the things that go into being a good special teams? coach, having been around football for as long as you have?
2: Um, I think the first and and, and foremost thing is creating an, uh, you know, a mindset or a kind of climate that is excited about special teams. um, And it it, brings kind of a fun dynamic to special teams. Someone it's like, it's like a competition, right? Like it's something that is, you don't, you don't, there's not many plays. It's an opportunity to kind of get more playing time. Or if you're, you know, someone that's maybe potentially a starter kind of go out and take advantage of, uh, you know, some some plays and maybe create some of those big, more kind of game-changing type plays. Like a a returner, obviously everyone wants to break one off and, you know, show off their speed like Chris Tyree did against Wisconsin and, and take one back to the house. Or you want to be the guy who's, you know, blocking punts and potentially, you know, recovering it and taking it back for a touchdown, setting up your team with good field position. So again, I think that the number one thing is the coach themselves has to be bought in and create a, a, a climate or an attitude of you know we take this seriously and this is what we're trying to accomplish but you know we could still have fun and make it competitive at the same time and i think that that ultimately brings out the best in players and i think that's where you get starters interested in wanting to do it too because it's such a challenge you know to be able to make these big plays on special teams
0: you ready
1: Showtime. in the right spots. It's not enough just to say, "Hey, we're putting starters on special teams." You still have to have the right starters on special teams, or the right guys. You know, it's like the the mentality. And I like what you were talking about, you know, having fun with it and stuff like that. You know, regardless if they're a starter or not, you still got to have the right guys out there. And you have to have guys I think who are going to both give you max effort and carry out specific assignments. You know, like there's a reason that Brian Mason's units blocked all those punts last year. It wasn't luck. And it wasn't just because, well, you've got good players on those units. It starts with the guy in charge pouring over film and figuring out those specific looks that the other team is giving him in their protect protections that they can take advantage of. And, you know, like he talked about late, I think it was going into bowl, you know, into the bowl game, you know, about you know, fake punts and all that stuff and he said hey you know we've had fake punts that we've got ready to go if we saw a certain look but we didn't get those looks in the course of the game you know so you're not just rolling those fakes out there to roll them out there's still certain looks that you've got to get and then of course the bowl game rolls around and we see some more of that you know so you know I I think you know like you look at a guy like Jordan or or Bo Bauer like not you know, guys, guys who haven't necessarily been starters, but both big special teams contributors over the last few years. I, I think there's there's like a, a certain kind of mentality for some of those guys out there that you're gonna put them, you know, that th- that you have to have out there. And I think it starts with that being able to sort of spot something unique in each guy that makes him suitable for going out there and being a guy who you can count on, you know, to carry out those kind of assignments on special teams.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's ultimately um, what it comes down to. And I remember, you know, being, being in college, like if, being on special teams and getting that opportunity was a lot of where I was getting my playing time because, you know, that's where a lot of starters, second string guys, mainly second string guys are going to get a lot of, you know, their playing time. And so it's something that I always looked forward to because I wasn't getting as much natural playing time as a starter. And it was something because of that reason that I took seriously and a lot of pride in. And so I'm hoping that that's kind of the same, regardless of whoever the, you know, the coach is. It's just the underlying kind of standard or principle of, you know, what special teams are going to be um at Notre Dame. And I know, you know, not to, not to compare anything, but I know that, you know, that there's, there were guys, spe- you know, over the, you know, however many years at Ohio State where it's like, that's kind of how you earn your stripes, you know, like that's kind of like the process to getting to be a starter is, you know, going to the special teams, having an impact on special teams, being able to perform on special teams. So I'm just I think it's 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 a good a good thing for Notre Dame because I think that they have a lot of, you know, incoming, a lot of guys that are going to have a lot of talent, you know, at recruit wise. And it should be fun to see those guys out there as, as some of these impact players.
1: Anthony says, let Marist and Kaiser play special teams, put Snead and Ziegler in the starting linebacker positions. I'm sure that there are probably a lot of people who would agree with you on that, but Snead and Ziegler still have to show <laughs> in practice that, you know, that they can carry out their defensive assignments, play in and play out, you know, just like, remember, remember the, uh, the Gator Bowl when when we talked about Snead a little bit and not for all the right reasons because of, you know, a missed assignment or two, you know, that I think those things are still come together and Hey, that's why you have spring practice, right. To figure <laughs> some of that stuff out. Right. Um. TD for ND, would you be happy with special teams not taking a step back measured in total, not just blocked punts? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if they stay where they are right now, I think you're in great shape. Don't you?
2: Yeah, I, I I definitely agree um, with that. I I, I don't. <laughs> I, th- there's no reason. Obviously, you never want the special teams to to get to take a step back. I don't think it's realistic to have the same expectation of how many that they're going to block next year because they put up you know a pretty absurd number. And if I'm not mistaken, it was like a school record almost. So it was like, a to, school record to hold that as the standard. It's like you can't hit school records every year. So I think that kind of sure. like I I think that you need I. It, w- you would like to see a couple, but I don't think you should expect seven. Like you know, two, three, four, something more on the more reasonable level. Yeah, but but getting seven, eight, nine every year, I just that's I think that's well, what you yeah,
1: and, and that's what he. I think that's what he was saying. Would you be happy, you know, with special teams not taking a step back, measured in total as you know? So like, if we're talking about the average starting field position, now remember the average those block punts played into some of that average starting field position because when you're not returning them for touchdowns, you're starting deep in the opponent's territory when you're blocking those punts. So, you know, that plays into those averages as well, you know, so it's not just block punts here and over here, the average starting field position and all that stuff. One plays into the other. It contributes to the other with, with how that, you know, all that gets calculated. But I mean, yeah, like, because then the other question that Anthony had was, would anyone trade the block punts for an accurate field goal kicker? I mean, that's, that's a really good question. You know, I, I agree with what you're saying, Jesse. You don't need to, we don't need to expect seven block kicks every year. But if you're getting two or three along the way, and you've got an, a field goal kicker who's kicking at an 80% clip, potentially all the time, I would take that.
2: Yeah, and I think that is that is where the trade off is going to be, and I think that Anthony brings up a good point and what, what he was talking about when anyone trade the block punts for an actual accurate field goal kicker. I think that's more risk realistically where you're going to have to be at is you know you're going to trade in probably at three to four less block punts for maybe a more clutch field goal kicker. And that it can be just as important, especially in, you know, that stretch of big games that Notre Dame is going to have against Ohio State, Clemson, USC, like potentially, you know, one game possessions where you got to get as many points as possible. Like you can't be missing field goals after long drives that the offense have put together that, that can potentially, you know, take away some of that momentum from a, a big opponent whenever it might be. So I me personally, I'm OK with trading that in less block punts, better overall special teams units. In terms of, you know, good starting field position, opponent field position, not too great, more accurate field goal kicking, you know, better field goal kickers over 40 yards, all of that stuff, better net on punt. And I think that's what, again, what you're going to see is maybe a little bit more better in punting efficiency, field goal efficiency, but a a step back in in the block punt category. And I think overall, as long as the special teams unit as a whole is solid, that's what I'm more concerned about.
1: But the guy has averaged. Over the course of his career as a special teams coach, his units have averaged almost three block kicks per season, you know? So, you know, again, like you're not necessarily hitting seven and I don't think anyone should expect to get seven because again, like you'd be leading the nation every year or, or, you know, in the top five anyway. But if you're averaging three block kicks per season, I would take that, especially considering we didn't see any for five years. You know, we were told for five years that nobody's blocking kicks anymore. And that's just the lazy approach to special teams to me. And that's why last year was so surprising.
2: Correct. And that is a very lazy, like your goal shouldn't, your goal should to be, should be to go out there and block one every game, whether it happens or not. Sure. But you should still have every intent and you should have done everything to prepare up to that moment. Like you were going to block a kick. And if it doesn't happen. I mean not oh well but it's better than than not trying and be like well it's just not going to happen so we're not even going to try slash put together our best effort slash like really commit a lot of time and be elite at this and I think that's exactly the difference in Marcus Freeman is he goes from very one end of the spectrum to the complete opposite end of the spectrum because of how intense and how much of a priority he puts on it
1: because again to me the blocking of the kicks is less about who happens to be on the units as it is the work the special teams coach is putting in to scouting the film and finding those specific looks that put his players whoever they happen to be in the positions to get them because remember like you had Bo Bauer get hurt Prince Kali got in there and you know and then here comes Prince Kali with a block kick so you know like athletically sure it's it's probably an upgrade but again it's about the look that you get and making sure your players recognize it's you know regardless of how much time you're spending on it on the field okay this is the look when we get this look this is what we're doing and we expect to get a block kick here it's it's no more than but but again it's about the work that the coach is putting in in the film room to 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 let those players know when they get those looks, this is when we we're when we're going to attack and how we're going to attack.
2: Yeah, and, and the confidence that that Brian Mason instilled in these guys that hey, this is the look. I promise you, if you hit this as hard as possible, that's right, and do what you're supposed to, we're, we're going to get, get these blocked punts. Yep, just do what I tell you and give me 100 percent of your effort, and everybody's going to win. And I think that's that was ultimately a big thing that Notre Dame was losing in Brian Mason is just the overall character, the intensity and just how much confidence he instilled in his players and the way he got his players to constantly play at a hundred percent at all times, regardless if they were a starter, a second string, whoever it was.
1: Yep. Antoine, if the new special teams coach can improve kick and punt returns where they can be a threat to score and stay, even with block punts, they will be more dangerous. I mean, I agree with that as well. I think that's still, you know, as good as, as the special teams units were this year under Mason, the return game is is still I think an area of growth for them, an area of potential improvement for them.
2: Let me ask you, would you trade in, would you trade in some of those block punts for some kick return touchdowns? I would. <laughs> I think that's like I you know, some of my favorite days or
1: or even you know, you get you know up up around 50 more consistent, you know. Not that you're always going to get around the 50, but even crossing the 50s is is an exciting kick return.
2: Yeah, like I just remember all the stuff with uh, Tom Tom Zibigowski and just like how electric it was that he was going to bust one off at any given moment. And that was just – that was such a different, like, dynamic and it gave other teams, you know, something to worry about. And it gave, you know, Notre Dame that extra boost of momentum or, you know, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying that's what I expect out of the next guy, but just like that's – just overall generation of big plays outside of punt blocks is is really what's going to make a mark of a, a healthy special teams unit. Like, are you making big plays in punt block? Are you making big plays on punt, punt return, you know, kickoff, all that stuff. And so I, that's, I think that what, what I'll be looking for looking forward to the most is how is each individual, individual unit impacted? Like, are, are they all getting better? Are they all pretty solid? And I think that'll be a good mark of, you know, good special teams.
1: And TD 4nd I think everybody misses rockets. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's generational, man. But you know, Zibby Zippy was awesome to watch as well. That was a lot of fun watching him on those on those punt returns. He didn't he didn't care about you know he wasn't thinking fair catch. It was like let's go when when uh, Tommy Z was back there.